On July 7, 2020, at 4.30 a.m., my husband Brad was in a cycling accident. He survived, but with a traumatic brain injury. Hi, I'm Alyssa Cousins, your host of Self-Care Spotlight. Since 2017, I've been dedicated to Real Talk Self-Care, and this season, we're focusing on one healing modality, writing, specifically poetry. Welcome to the Poetic Healing Series. I'm currently writing my first poetry memoir about this journey, but in the meantime, I want to highlight the poets and poetess out there who are sharing the messy human experience through the art and catharsis of beautiful words. Because the world needs healing and hope and human relating more than ever. So every week, you'll hear a different conversation with one of today's well-known poetry authors on poems to heal racial injustice, sexual empowerment, to using your voice, love, and so much more. As a bonus, they'll share some pieces with spoken word. I am not here to be a poet. I am here to feel my feelings and thus maybe help you feel yours. Hi, friends. All right, so I'm back. I am back and I have a story to tell. I have a story to tell that I never wanted to tell, that I never wanted to be mine, but it is mine. And I am learning to accept that and own it. Maybe you've been there before too. I bet you have. I bet something has happened to you in your life that completely took you by surprise isn't even the right phrase because it maybe was so shocking and so life-altering, ground-shaking, earthquaking that you can't wrap your head around it for months, maybe years. But I'm, <laughs> I'm here now, and I'm recording this in March 2021. I just looked at the clock, and it's 11.11 11 a.m. Mm. Those angel numbers popping up. Miracles, angels, all around us, all the time. 11.11 11 has been following me for a while. It's been following my husband, Brad, and I. And it's been following us for a while now since he's been in recovery because, as I said in the intro of this new series of Self-Care Spotlight that's called Poetic Healing, another angel number on 7-7, 
on July 7th, 2020, which was already an incredible year for all of us in the entire world. My husband, on top of all of that, was in a cycling accident. His beloved sport of choice, a triathlete, a three-time half Ironman finisher, swimming, biking, running, at the top of, you know, his his game, his life, 30 years old, and so so much vitality and strength and so capable, and he was in a cycling accident. And he suffered a traumatic brain injury. A TBI. And I'm here today to tell you that story. I'm here today to finally share that story with just me and the mic and therefore sharing it with all of you who care to listen, who care to bend an ear to human pain and suffering and healing and hope. And I think, ooh, I'm going to, I'm really going to try not to get super choked up so that I can speak. Um, I think that we all, I know that we all need that so much. Again, I'm recording this in March 2021. We're still so in the thick of a world. It's so different. And we all are seeking, I think, stories of healing and stories of hope and inspiration. And we want to believe that things will get better. Yeah, that they always do. And as I was having a conversation with one of the authors, one of the poetess that is a part of this beautiful series that I'm so proud of that I am also going to tell you more about today, she said that poetry, she believes, is here to help us hope with a capital H and remember that it's, that it's real and that hope and healing happen. And she believes poetry is a part of that hope. And that poetry should enliven us with hope. Remind us that it's possible to have even in the depths of uncertainty and sorrow and hurt and anger. And that's what I truly am hoping <laughs> that this series of self-care spotlight brings to you. So let's just start, just just start there. This is a series that is about the poets and the poetess out there who are sharing the messy human experience through beautiful words. They are some of the most, you know, loved modern poet poets out there right now. I am quite sure that you are going to be familiar with some of the names um, for example, the woman that I was just referring to, to Ariel Astoria, do you know who she is? If you don't, you're going to be very, very excited next week. And if you do know who she is, then you're going to be excited already because you know how fantastic she is. She's the one who was talking about poetry and how it's, it induces hope in us and that that's like a point to her of poetry, at least for her poetry. She truly feels that way, that that's like a mission 
So this is going to be a series, this season six, which holy cow, we are on to, I think it's season six. Oh my gosh, I should have looked that up beforehand. I think it's season six. (laughs) It's my own show and I'm like, what season are we on? Pretty sure it's season six. Wow, I've been here since 2017 and we've evolved and morphed so much, but we've always talked about very real talk conversations. I've always told you that self-care is so much more than a Sunday, that it has so much more depth and width than that. And my goodness, have I learned that personally and gained so much wisdom on that from a whole new perspective. And I feel like I have a whole other layer of depth to me that wasn't possible without what I went through with my husband's TBI. Again, that's traumatic brain injury for those of us who don't know what TBI is. I certainly don't know that I actually knew what TBI stood for before my husband had one. So traumatic brain injury. Again, this series, we're going to be every single week. We're going to talk to... I think it's going to be like eight to 10 episodes. I'm still figuring that out, still gathering and researching some different guests. It's going to be around eight to 10 episodes, I'm thinking. These are my initial thoughts. And we're going to have every week a different poet or poetess. I love that word. Uh, I'd like to consider myself a poetess, but I'm going to get to that. And we're going to have these beautiful conversations. And they're going to be about all different topics depending on what that specific author chooses to typically write about and feel about, most importantly. So those are all different topics and all different themes. Everything from sexual women's sensual empowerment to talking racial injustices, of course love because what is poetry without talking about love, Um, heartbreak, of course, that goes with it. There's just so much in here, authenticity, using your voice, mental health, and there's so many layers to this uh, series and to what poetry has to offer in a way that only poetry can. I really have come to believe that it has its own particular healing magic to it that I may never fully understand, that none of us may, but that's just part of the magic of it. For those of you who are like, maybe I'm not super into poetry or I don't know a lot of poets or I don't read a lot of it, you don't have to have a background in it. We're going to we're going to share it all with you. We're going to enliven you to all of it. We're going to really awaken that in you. And if you already are into poetry, then like buckle up and get cozy because you're going to be in a little slice of heaven. These authors are also going to be sharing, they're going to be doing spoken word poetry. Oh, I know. So exciting. I knew from the beginning if I was going to have poets and poetess on here that they had to recite some of their own favorite pieces. So that's what we are doing. And I am in love with spoken word. I've started doing it now myself. And, you know, it's really like almost a performance. It's an embodiment I'm calling mine like embodied poetry. That's what it feels like to me. And considering I'm an embodiment teacher, that feels right. So we're going to have spoken word and beautiful, fulfilling, deep, raw, real conversations around poetry and poetic healing. 
So that's the gist. We're talking to poets and living in the land of the mind of poets, the minds and the hearts for a while. And I think it's going to make us all feel a bit more poetic in ourselves and we're going to see our healing in a more poetic way and hopefully it stirs you to maybe start writing a little bit on your own and tinkering in that which brings me to really why I'm doing this series and then we're going to transition of course into the story here of Brad and I and everything we've gone through I promise I have that all ready for you so A big part of why I'm here doing this series is because poetry I found was a huge catharsis for me and I it was a form a modality of healing that I didn't even know I needed that all of a sudden started coming out of me pouring out of me I woke up one day in November I think like a lot of writers do (laughs) you know you just Which I'm trying to own that idea of even being like a poet or a writer. I'm an aspiring one right now. And I woke up in November and it was 4.30 a.m. And it was just, Alyssa, you need to get up. You're supposed to write a book. Get up and write a book. I couldn't go back to bed. Just, you got to write a book. So I go out to the living room. It's completely dark. And, you know... I start writing. And this is actually a piece that describes how I kept waking up around 5.30, excuse me, 4.30, pretty consistently throughout the winter. It just was like clockwork. My body would wake me up at 4.30 and say, you have to write. Like, today's a writing morning. And this is a piece that I wrote that uh, describes those moments. It's 4.30 a.m. The dog doesn't even move when I stir. Darkness. I light a candle. The clock ticks loudly. How do I not hear it in the day? This exquisite, quiet, a liminal space of owl and lark. My first sleep didn't go so well. I assume these words kept me up. Thoughts demanding pages, space to be witnessed, freedom. I release them because I get it. Now I think they'll let me sleep. Insomnia or magic hours? (sighs) So that's how it feels or felt. And to this day, I am still being woken up around 4.30 a.m. when I have, it just happened a couple days ago, literally last Friday, woke up, I looked at the clock, and sure enough, it was 427. So I am supposed to write this book. And it is supposed to be a book about hope and healing and resiliency and embodiment and trauma and love and humanness, really. And so I'm writing. And I've never been a poet. This is new for me. But it feels very right, and it feels like it was the healing I needed, as I said. And I've been sharing a lot of it on my Instagram page, Alyssa Cousins, and it's it's been pretty well received, and that's been amazing to me. And I just thank everyone for listening to this new form of expression that's coming through, and I'm just trusting it. And I'm working on writing this 
I'm calling it a poetry memoir. I'm not sure what else it is because the through line is my story and my husband's story of this healing through this massive trauma, which I think TBI is one of the, as my friend Jana, who has experience with her father having experienced a TBI. Um, she's also my editor. She says, you know, TBI is one of the most insidious things that can ever happen to a person and the people that they love. And it's true. You know, um, it's awful. Brain injury is awful. Whether you've had a concussion or, you know, a full TBI that is much more severe, brain injury is awful. And it is insidious. And it takes what feels like everything. And for me, this book that I'm writing that I'm hoping to come out around this time next year for National Brain Injury Awareness Month, which is the month of March, um, it feels right. And it feels like this is what I'm supposed to put out there. I'm, I'm really starting to accept the fact that the universe, I think, really wanted me on this earth to walk this path. Even though I have fought it and I have been like, why me? Why me? I don't want this. Isn't that the truth that, you know, I remember asking the universe, you know, use me, mind, body, and soul in a way that you see fit. But I also remember saying in a way that brings me abundance and joy. And this doesn't feel like that. And yet I am trusting and believing because that's just who I am, that it will be okay in the end. And that is, this will all be for the better, better of, the betterment of me and my soul and my soul contract and the world and sharing this story in the way that only Brad and I can. And I have to believe that and I have to believe that we are strong enough and that we were chosen in a way, you know, maybe you felt that before too, like when something terrible has happened, I... This was a part of my soul contract because I had to master this in life and that that helps me to then be of service and that I know that that means I'm strong enough to get through it because otherwise I wouldn't have been given it. And I have to believe that. As my old my old man neighbor, Rod, like fishing Rod, that's how he introduced himself to me, when he told me that his children both died, when they were only like in their, I think they were like less than, probably like le- under 40 years old. They were in their 20s and their 30s, I think, and they both passed. And he said, I have to believe that that was all for a reason, and for, the, for some reason that I can't fully understand that it was for the good, or I would be very angry with God. Insert whatever word there that feels right for you. And I remember him telling me that when I was walking my dog and he knew what had happened to Brad. And I just felt that on such a level. And I had to believe that he was right. And I understood in that moment and that truth resonated. So that's where I'm at. And that's why I'm writing. And I'm going to keep writing until July. And that'll be a full one-year poetry memoir where it's a mixture of poetry and sort of quotes and short stories-ish. I don't know if I'm necessarily following rules. I'm just writing what's from my heart. 
in the hope that it's going to be a greater story of humanity and the power of healing and resiliency and hope. And as I said, you know, love and moving through trauma with grace, 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 grace. I haven't said that word yet. And it's so important to me is grace. Mm. Getting through all those initiations of life with grace. Mm. That word has been so important to me and I've been filled, I feel, with so much of it. And I believe Brad was saved by grace and I believe I was filled with it to help me get through all of this with my sanity still somehow intact and been able to rise up and be there for him as a caregiver. Shout out to all of the caregivers out there. You're amazing. I see you. I know what you do when no one is watching and no one is looking. You're amazing. And this book is also definitely for anyone who's ever been in a caregiver position. Either someone who's been through trauma or someone who has been through trauma through being a caregiver because that can be a very traumatic experience in and of itself. So really this book is just for humans. <laughs> it's for humans because you can't get away from pain as a human. No, you can't. I don't believe so. Because that means you haven't lived. I don't want that. I don't want that for you. But also we have to add in hope. Like Ariel said, right? You gotta have the hope. Give me that hope. That song by Random Rob, I think it is. Give me that hope. Mm, give me that hope. <laughs> All right. So that's why I'm writing the book. Yeah. And 2.8 million people. Mm, according to brainline.org, 2.8 million people in the U.S. every single year suffer a traumatic brain injury. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. 50,000 of those die. And you'd be hard-pressed not to know somebody who's ever had a brain injury. Again, whether it's concussion whether it's something deeper like Brad's diffuse axonal brain injury, which is basically his whole brain just got shook up in a million places and it was just scattered throughout the brain, deep TBI. You'd be hard-pressed not to know someone. It's um, one of the leading causes of death. Again, according to um, brain, uh, excuse me, the Brain Injury Association, and there's just so many different sources, it is a leading cause of death among children and adults. Um, one of the most, you know, common you could, of course, think of is from falls, um, car accidents. It's a very real thing. I will put some of these sources in the notes. I will put brainline.org and I will put the Brain Injury Association of America as well. Both are beautiful to support and they do so much advocacy work and awareness work for brain injury and how it's this invisible injury in some ways and yet it's so insidious and so serious and it affects a lot of people and so many people are living with it or have lost someone to it or have you know permanent disability from it i mean it's your brain it it powerhouses all of you right that body-mind connection, I've been schooled in it in such a massive way that I never even 
again, I know that the universe to me was like, Alyssa, you are going to learn today. You are going to learn this message on such a deeper level than you ever thought was possible. You are going to walk your talk. You are going to witness the body-mind connection like you've always taught, right, and talked about and preached about. You're going to learn it on a level that other people don't know. You're going to learn on a level that you don't know. And I got to see, you know, Brad telling me, I think my my big toe, I think I'm going to be able to feel it tomorrow. I just can sense it. Wow. <laughs> because he couldn't move his toes. Imagine right now, okay? Take a moment. Poetic pause. Drop in. Wiggle your right toes. Yeah. Now stop. Now move your left. What a miracle. Look at you. Look at you moving your toes. I got to see someone's light bulbs all turn on. Like those lights that go choo, 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 as you walk into a room. That's how I envisioned Brad's brain. And I remember just being like, wow, the universe is really handing me this huge universal lesson in embodiment in being in the body and seeing the body-mind, mind-body connection at work in such a massive way and how important it truly is, how important movement is to the body, how important it is that Brad was healthy. Oh my goodness, this is a call for you to take care of your body and your and your brain because his health is was, they told us so many times, a huge factor in his, the, you know, some of the rapid healing that they saw initially and the fact that he survived. I have to believe that. I really do. So take care of yourself deeply. Nourish your body and your mind and soul and all of it. I can't tell you how many times they told us that. Thank God he's so healthy. Thank God. And by the way, I even got him, I advocated for him to get on a vegetarian, a vegan tube feeding. (laughs) Yes, it's a real thing. I advocated for that because he was vegetarian. We are vegetarian. And I said, I don't want him getting whatever you're going to give him. I don't want any of that crap. Like I want the best stuff. And they had it available, but I had to ask. Just had to ask. Patient advocacy. So he was on a vegan tube feeding diet, guys. Like seriously. And I wanted to feed his brain the way he was used to. And that was like a whole thing, Um, but I knew that it was the right decision and the nutritionist was game with it and we monitored and it was grand and he did great and I believe that it continued to help him heal with plants. So anyway, health, (laughs) self-care deeply, radically. So with all of that, We've talked about why I want to write this book. We've talked about the series and the reason behind this series. We've talked about uh, a little bit. You've heard about what kind of what happened to Brad. I've given you a little bit of some brain facts. Again, I'll put those sources in the show notes. And now it comes to this point where I got to share with you what happened. Got to share. Buckle in. This is, you know... A longer episode to get all this in but I feel it was so important to start the episode with excuse me the series with this episode 
because I've been gone for almost a year. The last episode, ironically, Brad and I did was in May, almost a year ago, um, last year. And we were going to do this whole Patreon together called the Summer of Love. And gosh, 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 did it turn into the Summer of Love in a very different way, in a way that I, I didn't even know I could love someone so hard. But you don't know what you're capable of until you're put in those shoes, right? And we didn't get to do that series together, that Patreon, but I think I'm going to have him on here eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that, right? Message me if you want, if you want Brad to come on the show. (laughs) Alyssa Cousins, hit me up. I think I'm going to do it. I think we're going to do it. So coming back, you know, a year later, I've got a lot to catch up on. But I want to read you this story that is our story, as much of a condensed version of it as I can do. (laughs) There's so many pieces. I mean, I wrote journal entry after journal entry after journal entry. I started journaling um, pretty quickly within a couple days of Brad's accident on July 7th, 2020, just to start taking notes writing down my feelings. I knew that one day it would be important for me to look back and see how far he's come and and be able to be like, yes, he's getting better. Yes, you're getting better. I knew that he might want to look back at it one day. And, you know, he was there for 64 days in the hospital. And I wrote, I started, the writing process started for me in that journal. And then it became poetry in November when I started writing poetically. And this is a condensed version of our story, but it's what I wrote as what was supposed to be like a blog post share for a campaign that was done with the Brain Injury Association of America, BIAA. They have them all over the country, by the way, different chapters, different states. And they had a campaign called More Than My Brain Injury for the March 2021 National Brain Injury Awareness Month campaign. And I wanted to share Brad's story in a blog. So I'm literally going to be, most of this is me reading that verbatim to you rather than free flow like I am now. So I just want to preface with that. Okay. I think we need a breath first before we dive into this story. I'm going to take a poetic pause, but we're going to do it with a breath. Poetic pauses are built into this series as authors share their poems. We're going to take a breath, and then I'm going to read to you a poem before we dive in. Breathe out. And to think I was going to post this shiny photo today. Instagram. The police came to our door and my heart stopped. I thought it was you forgetting your keys. I braced myself. Bike accident whirling through my head. But he loves to bike. It turned on him? Anonymous collar? I don't understand. I played bananagrams with you last night. I whined that I always lose. You kissed my neck in just the right way. Rude, 
awakening. It's one of the first poems in my book. Here we go. This is the story share that I'm going to be reading to you that was in blog post form. On July 7th, 2020, at 4.30 a.m., my husband Brad was in a cycling accident. He survived, but with a traumatic brain injury. A three-time half Ironman finisher, 30 years old, with a TBI. I was later told by first responders that he had tried to get up, that he vomited, common with head injury. The image of him alone and desperately trying to regain consciousness burns in my head to this day, usually at night when my mind wanders. The police can't say exactly what happened. All they know is fur was found in his bike spokes. Blessedly, a woman driving up the giant hill to our home saw him on the side of the road. Thank gosh she wasn't texting and was paying attention. And she called 911. She remained anonymous. Brad had in emergency units on him probably within 15 minutes, which very likely saved his life. I was awoken at 5 a.m., to a pounding on my door. It was dark. I thought it was Brad forgetting his keys again on his pre-work bike ride. Only to my surprise, a flashlight was shining through my window. It was a male police officer, a young man, saying my husband had been in an accident and taken to the emergency room. He had no details. He could tell me nothing. I called my parents. I texted his. I drove myself to the hospital and despite the fact that my mom was worried about me driving myself to the hospital, I couldn't wait for her to get there. I prayed the entire time. Please let him be my Brad. Please let him be my Brad. Please let him be my Brad. It's like I knew it was his head, but I didn't know it was his head. Upon arrival, I was told he was a John Doe. The only identifier they eventually found on him was the reason that they even were able to find his home was because his name, he had a sticker on the side of his bike, because that's what the professional cool cyclists do. He had no other ID on him. Thank gosh for that sticker. I sat in a tiny waiting room by myself. Eventually, I was allowed to go in. The only one that was allowed to go in. COVID. When I saw him in a neck brace with his arms and legs strapped down, blood everywhere in a black and blue eye like I'd never seen, his right eye, I was horrified. I didn't want to touch him. He looked so broken. 
I began to cry, then felt faint. I started seeing black dots. I told the nurse, I don't want to be here. I need to go. I don't want to be here. I need to go. (sighs) The whole world was spinning. All I remember is his face. I remember nothing about the floor. I don't remember if there were pictures on the walls. I don't remember who was there. I just remember his face, his bloody face, his bruised face. Tubes down his throat. I will hold that image for the rest of my life. I didn't even show his mother because no one should have to hold that image. I will work through it for the rest of my life. Brad was the definition of strength, vitality, charm, and capable. Mr. Personality. Literally, he was voted that in high school. This sight broke me. It broke. It broke something in me. Just hours before, we had made love. And this sight broke something in me. The nurse walked me out because I had asked her to. I was crying, weeping. And I scared my parents and his parents and his aunts and his uncle because they thought that Brad was gone because I was weeping that much. But in a way, he was. And I just fell to the floor And eventually his aunt saw me on the floor by myself after they hugged each other and she came over and they all hugged me sitting on the ground outside of the hospital because no one could go in because of COVID. And in a way he was gone. My whole life was gone. The world I knew was gone. It would never be the same. Sometimes we have those moments in life when life will never be the same. And you know it as soon as it happens. And I'm still working through that. Brad suffered a diffuse axonal brain injury and came into the hospital as a 7-8 on the Glasgow Coma Scale, a rating they use to rate consciousness. He had a severe TBI. Of diffuse axonal brain injuries, anywhere from various studies I read, 10 to 25% of people die from them. I later learned that. I also learned that in 2018, there were over 800 cycling deaths. This comes from IIHS.org. And according to the NCS.org, One-third of non-fatal bicyclist injuries are to the head. According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, CPSC, a majority of the 80,000 cycling-related head injuries treated in emergency rooms each year are brain injuries. 
the fear we all fear about bikes, cycling, triathletes, even as a little kid when your mom yells at you to put your helmet on. And by the way, yes, Brad was wearing a helmet, but he was traveling at speeds probably upwards between 30 and 40 miles per hour going downhill when he lost control of the bike. These are fears we fear, but we think can't happen to us. And no one really talks about them. I'm here to talk about them. I can't imagine, they say. It's like that song from Hamilton. It played in my head and we had watched it just days before for the 4th of July because they released Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. They're dealing with the unimaginable When you see him on the street Talking to himself Have pity They're dealing with the unimaginable Yeah I can't imagine, they say You're right, you can't unless you've been there. But it doesn't mean it can't happen to you or someone you love. Brad was unconscious for almost two months. He slowly moved from a vegetative state to semi-conscious to conscious. I documented all of this on my Instagram, in my stories blown away by how much everyone cared so deeply. The power of community and prayer. On my 30th birthday, August 13th, he tried his best to sign a card with his non-dominant left hand because his whole right side was not working because he had suffered a majority of a hit on his left side, and the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body when we're talking those hemispheres. So he tried to sign this card with his non-dominant left hand, but he has no memory of doing so. He did it, but he does not remember doing it. You can be awake and not awake, I learned. You can look right through someone. Not alive, but alive. Capital A, lowercase a. It was so hard to describe to people that sensation. When someone is there, but they are not all there. They are awake, but they're not. I always felt like he was existing somewhere on another plane, another axis, um... Like I was on this earthly realm and I wasn't really sure where he was. He was on some astral ether plane somewhere else. And I just wanted him to come find me. Moment for a poetic pause. This is how I envision Brad and I right now. Like he's just nearly piercing the veil between this lush green earth plane and wherever light-filled astral realm he is floating in. 
like I'm beckoning him to follow me, the sacred snake luring him in. Can you see me? Come with me. I know it's scary, but I'll hold your hand. Let me walk you back down to Gaia, my feminine body walking his masculine consciousness back home to Mother Earth. That's actually a visualization that I used, that I worked with one night, and it really helped me. Back to the story. Brad had to learn to walk again, to bring a spoon to his mouth, to drink water without choking. P.S. You never think about how your brain tells you how to swallow. Yeah. Yeah had to learn to speak. He started out in a whisper. A whisper. A whisper. I could barely hear him. I had to put my ear completely up to his mouth in the beginning when he started to one day start speaking. Yeah. And that was because it was two months without speaking. You have to learn how to do that again. It is not like in the movies with a concussion when you just wake right back up after 24, 48 hours and it's like, what happened? No, this was deep, deep injury. He had to learn how to eat solid foods again. He had to be on special diet where in the beginning he could only have liquids. He was on the vegan food feeding diet and then he went to different levels and different uh, names for uh, food diets where it was like liquid liquid only and then he could do things that had a little bit more consistency to them, things like mac and cheese. (sighs) But it took a long time to get to solid foods. We weren't able to really eat solid foods, I'd say, pretty normally until October, and his accident was in July. As I said, he had right side deficits from left side brain injury, and thus could not move his right arm or his leg. His right arm, which he used to be able to do these big, you know, clean and jerks and overhead presses, he couldn't lift it really at all. He could barely move his arm from putting a ball in one hand and then moving it midline across the brain to the other arm. It was a big deal. It took three people to help him practice standing again for the first time. Three people. I was one of them, standing on a table while holding his head up because he couldn't. He couldn't hold his head up. Sit up right now. Sit up tall. Yeah, honor that. Honor your spine. Honor the muscles of your neck. We practiced singing Bob Marley songs. But before he could speak, he communicated with a tri-erase board. I remember he pointed to my name, his wife, Alyssa. There was Alyssa... I think Claire, maybe Lauren, written on a board, and he pointed Alyssa. I have that on video. So many videos. He was in Pittsburgh's Mercy Hospital's Brain Injury Rehabilitation Unit 
for 64 days. Myself and his mother didn't miss one single day. I would be there from 10 to 3 because I stopped working to be a full-time caregiver and engage very actively in all of his therapies. Speech therapy twice a day, physical therapy twice a day. Um, I'm blanking on the other therapy right now. Occupational therapy twice a day. And his mom was there in the evenings after work without fail. We credit his team at this brain injury rehabilitation unit. And I could never thank them enough for pushing and advocating for Brad. From day one, they told him he had to work. Even if he couldn't fully engage, they knew the importance of activating the body-mind and that this was a young man with an entire life to fight for. And they fought with us. Fiercely. Mike and Sarah and Lauren and Dr. G and Jeremiah and Zeth. So many. From all the step-down units he went through, the trauma unit, eventually to the rehab unit. In early September, Brad stepped outside for the first time in two months. Out of the fluorescent lights of a hospital, the bubble. We were in a parking garage as I was to practice car transfers from wheelchair to car and back. He was overwhelmed at the world going on around him. It was difficult because the whole world kept going while his whole world felt like it stopped. I got it. Then on September 8th, 2020, we went home. Arriving home was bittersweet. It was not full of celebration even though there were balloons. Because we knew life would never be the same. And we weren't even in our own house. We moved into his parents' basement because it was what Brad needed for physical healing. All flat, bathroom on the same floor, easy access, extra support from his parents. Brad struggled emotionally, and as a yoga teacher, I immediately knew that he needed mental health support, something we vehemently believe is lacking in TBI recovery. And I seek to help change that. It's just as important as physical recovery, if not maybe even more, to help the physical recovery. So where are we now? In short... Brad is an inspiration to so many, and so many of you tell me that I am to you as well. Brad has gained back all of his weight, from 118 pounds back to 160 pounds. His eye, which suffered midline nerve damage and thus was completely shut, Slowly, it opened up to a cross-eyed position, which causes double vision, which he still has. But it's continuing to move towards midline, all on its own. And it is expected to make a full recovery. He cannot wait to see one of me again. Imagine seeing the whole world in double. 
Despite the fact that walking 70 feet used to be an achievement, Brad is now back on his indoor bike trainer daily, loves his Zwift. And as I write this, he had actually just finished 20 miles that day when I wrote this. He learned to run again. He's still learning the to get the, the correct uh, gait back with walking and running, but he can do it on a treadmill. We've done it on a track. He has continued to run some of his fastest miles since the accident, running faster than me for sure. Just the other day, he did a jog around the block. Yeah, I think he did four miles. Yeah, eight months out from a TBI, four miles. Yeah, his running isn't perfect form and his walking is still off a little bit with his gait as that brain-body connection still heals all those nerves. And by the way, he still even has some neuropathy and some tingles in his face and his hands and his toes. But it is all coming back. He goes to the gym with his stepfather. He practices balance all the time. We go on walks with Sage. Mentally, he still goes to a therapist. He works on his confidence every single day. It's identity that is taken from us when life crashes and burns. Not just for the brain injury survivor or the survivor of whatever trauma it might be, but those closest to them as well. It's identity. His voice still sounds different, which we didn't even know was a thing. And I think this is the hardest thing for me as his wife. I journaled every day while he was in the hospital, and I started writing poems as catharsis. I am writing this one-year poetry memoir about the healing journey and I plan to share it with the world next March for National Brain Injury Awareness Month to somehow bring empathic beauty to some of the ugliest pain, to trauma. In the end, Brad is a miracle, which miracle, according to A Course in Miracles, is just a change in perspective. The perspective of what's possible. We've gone through what feels like an initiation and been saved by grace. Yet the pain continues and the gratitude continues. The healing continues. We're only eight months out as of recording this. You truly don't know how long you have because an animal might dart out in front of you and wreck your beloved bike. So why not live right now? Trauma will change you. Do not let it define you. There is so much more I could say, my friends, but that is our story.
It continues. I am recording this as Brad is downstairs. He's back to part-time work. (laughs) With an amazing company that supports him and me. There's so much more I could tell, so much more I'll probably share throughout the years, maybe throughout these episodes along the way. But that is the gist of our story. We all have stories. We all have pain. We all seek hope. We all are capable of healing. I know that to be true. Feel it all. Feel it all. Feel the humanness. Even though you cannot control what's going to happen to you, I encourage you to keep living. Please keep living. Go make love to life. I wrote a whole poem called Make Love to Life. Please go do that. Don't be afraid of everything. Fear is real. But don't let it stop you from making love to life. From living fully. From being alive with a capital A. I beseech you to live your life. Knowing that you are held by grace. You are supported in all of this wild human journey, even when it feels like you aren't, I promise you, you are. If you know someone that has experienced brain injury or concussion, someone that has gone through deep trauma, someone that is going through something right now, and they need to know that there is hope and healing and resiliency to believe in love and the power of community and all of it, the power of your body to heal, please share this. Please share this episode, this series. We've got so much amazing goodness to come. So many gorgeous authors. Ariel is coming up next, next, next time. And um, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and for caring the way that you all have these past eight months. And those of you who are just learning about this, I thank you as well for listening to this entire episode. If you've gotten this far, then you have really buckled in for the whole thing. So grateful for all of you. You can also leave us a review, of course, um, on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. If you've got a couple of minutes, write a little review because as you can tell, words are kind of my thing. They mean everything. That's why I've started even doing spoken word because I love it, love it, love it. And I love that you guys love it too. It brings me so much joy. So I love reading your words, your reviews on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, all those places. It means a lot, especially for something that like this is so near and dear to me right now, this series. I'd love to know what you guys are thinking. I need to stop saying that, you guys. What you all are thinking about this you can find me on IG, Alyssa Cousins, A-L-Y-S-S-A-K-U-Z-I-N-S. Hit me up, talk to me, tell me your stories, your thoughts, your feels. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for 
doing the work. Heal for the people in the back. Let them hear you. Let them see you. Heal out loud in public when you feel ready. Thank you. And here is to your poetic and our collective healing.